Hey there, everyone. I'm Michael Seip, and welcome to the Business with Universal Love Show, the show that teaches how businesses become reliably profitable using a secret ingredient, unconditional love. We explore best methods to create connection and establish value with, you guessed it, the people that make the business. Remarkable companies are built not just on great products and services, but on the energy of its customers, shareholders, workforce, and management teams. With at least 70% of the public considering themselves spiritual, unconditional love is a core element that needs showcasing. Join me as we explore what's great about business and how you can model those stellar qualities in your own business. Hey, listeners, you're in for a treat. Today's guest is a private equity fundraising expert who's raised millions of dollars, and now he's focused on helping veterans build and grow their businesses. His company, LocalVest, raises capital for real estate development using a signature approach where character of the company counts. We're going to talk about how to develop and use spiritual energy to foster and solidify equity deals. And as an added bonus, use that energy to find valuable lost items. So listen up to hear the impact of elevated emotions and inspired thought. It's a growing trend in business today. So welcome everyone. This is Michael Seip. Welcome to the Business with Universal Love Show. Today I've got a great guest, a former classmate of mine from the Naval Academy, who's been in the financial realm for a long time and has some very relevant spiritual information for you to talk about. A good friend, Bill Militello, talking a little bit about his history and more importantly, where he's going today and where spirituality plays with that. So Bill, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. I'm really honored to be here, Mike, so I appreciate it. And I love the topic, spirituality as it relates to business. So we're going to have fun. So thanks for having me. Yeah, the interesting statistic is I think about 87% of the population consider themselves spiritual in one way or the other. Now, spiritual is a very broad term, but, but the fact is a lot of people are very spiritual. So that's a large segment of the population that's in the workforce or running businesses and no doubt, they're using that virtual piece. So great, we can talk about it. Well, Bill, tell me yeah. a little bit about your your history and your financial roles you've had, and then where you're kind of going. Sure. Well, you've already mentioned that we're classmates from the Naval Academy, the great class in 1992. And upon graduation, I went into the Marine Corps for five years, then to Wall Street as a trader, and started my entrepreneurial career really after not long after 9/11. And so. I've started four registered financial companies and sold two. So my most recent ventures, which I've been at for quite some time, have been in private investment realm. So I've, what am I doing now? I'm the CEO and founder of Militello Capital, and that company has participated in several hundred million dollars of commercial real estate transactions as an investor, and we've also invested in about 40 or so venture-backed companies. The other company, LocalVest, is really our investment platform, and glad to go into that more as well. Great. Congratulations on building such a successful venture capital and investment arm. I assume a lot of that real estate, what other areas have you looked into and helped support? 
Sure. So most of it is in real estate, as you said, and we also invested in venture-backed operating companies, things that have been as cannabis to enterprise SaaS and pretty much everywhere in between. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's great. That's a broad, sort of broad diversified portfolio there. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Well, you've talked a little bit about being an academy graduate and serving in the Marine Corps and I remember you telling me at the time when you, you got out of the service that you closed the door on that chapter and kind of didn't look back and moved on ahead. But today you're kind of reflecting back on that period and some of the benefits from that period. Care to share any information about where you were then and where you are now mentally about that? Well, I would say that I was certainly very eager in the Marine Corps. And a few years before I left active duty, I just had a desire to learn more. I think it was a friend that lent me some like Tony Robbins tapes or some Jim Rohn tapes. And for a couple of years towards the end of my service, I would listen to them almost daily. And I really have to credit those tapes, whether they're spiritual or not, anyone can argue, but they kind of kickstarted my journey. And so that's where it began. And today I would say, I've learned more. Let's put it that way. I don't want to ever grade myself on a spiritual continuum. No, that's a good point. What I find interesting, of course, is we all grow and that Tony Robbins tape. Yeah, there is a spiritual component to it, I believe. that There's talk about energy and being enthusiastic. And I think those are byproducts of, of having kind of a clear mindset. And that mindset isn't just the logical left brain side. It's a little bit more of the, the creative side. So when you had those ideas of trying to learn more, that started you going, there are some spiritual qualities that are pretty unique. And one of them that I do enjoy talking about is from an unconditional love perspective, how do we look at our fellow human beings? How do we treat them? How do we value them? And as an investor, obviously you're doing a fair amount of valuation yourself, knowing where to steer capital and knowing where to trust people and things like that. So how about you share a little bit about your perspective on people interaction with others, a little bit with a spiritual lens, and then a little bit about from where you invested? Sure. And certainly it's evolved over time. And what I'm going to share with you is really more of where I am today than where I've been historically. To answer the question, I'm really going to answer it from where I stand today. And I rely too heavily on what I could see historically. And today, I probably rely on more what I can feel. You just know, you just have a feeling in your gut when it's the wrong thing. And sometimes our vision gets clouded by a desire for a profit or a desire to do a deal or a desire to make something happen. And in my evaluation process, while we check all the other boxes that you would expect us to check. I think the final evaluation is really about betting on the jockey versus the horse. And what kind of person is it that's going to be at the helm? And are they going to be a good steward of our money or our client's money? Yeah, that makes sense. There's not only the, the gut instinct, but sometimes there's an additional intuitive hit that we'll get about a deal or about the situation or about the person. What are some examples you've had of relying on that additional sense that's out there 
besides just looking at the information on the paper about the nature of the deal? Sure. I will tell you that the cases where things have gone bad, I knew that I shouldn't and I did anyway. Okay. So it's one of those, it was intuition and you have the ability, you've got the free will to override that intuition or that sense, that sixth sense, if you will, however you want to say it. And typically you're being warned. And that's your internal guidance system flashing red. And when you choose to ignore it, well, you should just understand what the consequences are going to be. On a positive side, that doesn't mean that things turn out to be rainbows and unicorns either. But it's because there could be hiccups and twists and turns along that bumpy road. But ultimately, whatever the outcome of that is, it's for your good. You could lose money and it could be the best learning experience and the experience you're supposed to have. Just because your intuition said to do something doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to turn into a Facebook-like return, right? But whatever it is should turn or should result in something for your good, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. And the idea you portrayed there is, yeah, you can trust your intuition or you can not necessarily trust it or or follow it. And there are going to be consequences. What I appreciate is from a sort of a holistic perspective, you're looking at things sort of in three ways. You talked a little bit about emotionally how you felt about the person. You talked about, hey, what's their history? What's their track record? What's the prospects going forward? Sort of a logical, reasonable approach to it. Those two are huge. But then that third component, the intuition, kind of wraps up together. Sure. And I think there's probably even a fourth. Um, I'm just sort of came to me is that you're also an antenna, right? You're not just a, a receiving antenna, you're a transmitting antenna. And you have the ability to transmit energy. And you have the ability to alter outcomes. And so you hold that belief and you hold it consistently, then you should have that positive expectation that you're going to have a good outcome or whatever the outcome is that you're holding in your belief system, in your mind, in your heart, and whatever you're projecting, that's what you're going to attract and receive. Right. Well, that's definitely been my experience. It sounds like for you as well. And the thing that I think makes that thing so unique is the idea of that positive spirit, that expectation of something beneficial coming out of that investment. Yeah, I think so. I think you fix your mindset on an outcome. You have a a positive expectancy with the understanding that circumstances will potentially be bumpy and choppy and create issues to overcome, but that should never derail the vision that you have for the outcome. And as soon as you get thrown off of that horse, if you will, you're going to lose the energy. You're going to get off that beam. You got to get back on that beam. You got to get back on that horse and reestablish that connection and it will manifest itself. Sure. Your success wouldn't be as it's turned out for you had you not had that kind of perspective. What examples or anything come to mind that follows that thought pattern? Sure. Tons. I had a business partner long time ago that we just argued like crazy and I would go home to pray or to meditate and I kept catching myself 
like in mental fights with this person, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, arguments and, in our head. Yeah, arguments in our head. And I snap out of it and go, what am I doing? Not only am I arguing in the real world, but I'm arguing in the spiritual realm. And so what happened? We had a very bad breakup, right? Yeah. So, of course, that's an example. I absolutely manifested that. And I would just encourage everybody on the positive side, despite circumstances, you are a creator, right? You can do and make anything that you want, good or bad. Use the power for good, of course. And if you just hold that belief with a heightened state of emotion, it will come to pass. Don't get hung up on the how. Right. Like Simon Sinek would say, right. Focus on the yeah. what, not, not the how. But if you just focus on what, right. And live from that future, looking back at yourself and seeing it already done and feeling that feeling of having already accomplished it, it's done. It's done in the spiritual realm. The earth just needs to rotate a few times for it to come to pass. Right. I think for a lot of people who are familiar with law of attraction and spiritual energetic, that all makes sense. That's consistent with what's put out there. But for a lot of people who are kind of new to that, that may sound kind of, yeah, you're going to tell me that I'm going to visualize and eventually the universe is going to make that happen for me. And I think the answer is yes. And it sounds like you've had that experience. How true is that? Yeah. Well, I would say that there's a pieces of that formula that may be missing. I know you were just summarizing, but it's more than visualization. I think what's more powerful than the seeing is the feeling. Yeah. And you could picture a pot of gold, but if you feel poor, you're going to attract poverty and lack. Exactly. But if you feel rich, right, is having a dollar in your pocket makes you feel wealthy, then you will attract more dollars in your pocket. Right. And so for me, yes. And I put it to the test daily. And sometimes I get a result quickly and sometimes it just takes a while. But I think for me, so it absolutely works. I think about this. I'm my own student, right? I'm my own subject in the laboratory. And I think about this quite a bit. And for me, it's sort of like building a bridge or building a building. And what we were told in the old days of engineering, that the first thing was a requirements analysis. You know, today it's about MVPs and that type of program. But in the old days of engineering, the first thing you would do is define the requirements. And I think that the speed at which you manifest something is really a direct relationship or a function of how clearly you can define your goal. And if you can clearly define it and see it and feel it, it's yours. Mm -hmm. It's when we kind of get wishy-washy. Oh, I want $100 million. Hey, I'd settle for somebody to buy me lunch. You keep going back and forth and the universe doesn't know what to give you. Right. You're sending mixed signals quite often. And that mixed signal could be a subconscious habitual response that we have in certain situations and not even be aware of it. Yeah. So those are two very important concepts, right? So one is that on a daily basis, even from minute to minute or hour to hour, we porpoise up and down in our emotional scale from being all love to, you know, being greed and fear and everywhere in between. And so we are sending mixed signals from that perspective, as well as what we want. So we're not clearly defining what we want. 
And then you said something else that was really important. The habitual patterns or subconscious programming, we don't even know sometimes what triggers us and gets us to start to feel unworthy or feeling lack or feeling hate or distrust or something like that. And so from a self-awareness perspective, meditation and prayer is so very important because then those things will start to come to light. You start to become more self-aware, grow that level of awareness so you understand what those triggers or subconscious programs are, and then you can work to remove them and really to kind of weed that garden of your subconscious mind of, of all those patterns and programs that self-sabotage you. Yeah, that's really great insight. And what strikes me as being so powerful is the idea of that awareness. Because we can walk around feeling like crap one day and things just are not clicking and we may not even know what triggered us, right? Yeah, that's a job. It's something that could, you could pull that weed and you could get rid of that negative programming or limiting belief in a second once you're aware of it. But it might take years to even identify it, know that it exists. Right. Why do I keep running into brick walls? I can lose five pounds, but I can't lose 15 pounds. Right. And you go up and down or whatever it happens to be. And you go, why do I keep on running into these invisible walls that restrain my growth? And really, if you're aware of, hey, that happens, that's a great time to go within and start to ask why. What are my belief systems that are causing me to stop my growth or hinder my growth, keep me from reaching my potential or reaching my goal. And that's obviously, there's massive applications in business. What are some of those applications you've applied it to in your business? Well, capital raising. I can remember raising money, raising $50,000 or $25,000. And then somebody saying, hey, we're going to buy a building. We need $750,000. Well, I've never done that before. I wonder if I could do that. And hey, lo and behold, bang, zoom, I did it. And oh, we're going to raise 2 million, then 3 million, then 5 million, right? And then you're going to lead financing rounds. Wow, I've never led a financing round. I wonder if I could do it. And so some of those are just going into things with a healthy sense of skepticism and trying to be prepared for something you've never done before, but also with, uh, hey, I'm letting myself off the hook. I'm going to give it the old college try and I can see myself doing it. But at the same time, I'll leave room for if it's not meant to be, then it's just not meant to be. Then there's something for me to learn from this process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really appreciate what you're saying there, because on two topics that I, I try to stress in my work is the idea that, one, you're becoming a mindset where you're not totally attached to the outcome. But the other aspect to that is, you know, you're going to benefit from it regardless. It may be painful, but you're going to benefit from it because there will be that learning experience. That's right. There's a good bit of fear of failure. And I think everybody has it to a varying degree and in different forms. I've just been fortunate in that it wasn't around my primary business, which was raising capital. I just, I've shared this with other people that I don't think I've ever sold anybody anything. I just offered them an opportunity and they have free will to say yes or no. There was no arm twisting involved. And you ask enough people, you put a solid deal in front of enough people, you're going to fill it up. 
And if it doesn't, then that's kind of a, a sign from the universe, right? That maybe it isn't that great of a deal. And maybe you shouldn't be representing it. Maybe you shouldn't be moving forward with it. You just got to let yourself off the hook. Yeah, that's that attachment I was, I was talking about. You just let yourself off, off the hook is another way of describing it. There is a bigger power at work here, right? It's okay for there to be an unanswered prayer because there is a bigger play. There is a bigger scheme at work. And you have to believe that an infinite intelligence, God, has your back and wants the very best for you. And so there's a lesson to be learned, or there's a a door that needs to be closed, or a door that needs to be opened. And you just have to be aware enough that even though you really wanted something, you needed to take a detour first. You needed to take a different road. You need to walk from one town to the other, not necessarily take the cab. Because it's a totally different experience when you walk from one town to another versus taking an Uber, right? So it's okay that <laughs> that there's no Ubers running. It's okay that you just point yourself in the direction of the other town and, you know, you enjoy the journey. Yeah. No, I, if I hear you right, manifesting is a practice that one can become pretty good at. But as you're alluding to, there are also times when we have something else that perhaps is holding us back, one of those limiting beliefs, or there's something else we have to learn, or maybe we just aren't um, ready yet. Or maybe even the desire was really born from your ego. Oh, and, exactly. And exactly. so when your desire is born from your ego, there's a pretty good chance that the universe doesn't have your back, right? No, that's a really good point. And that goes back to your a point about the, the emotions that we're thinking. We are thinking emotions of gratitude, of joy, those higher elevated emotions, then that's usually not the ego that's being expressed there, right? It's it's something more of the divine, more of the universal feel. And then yes. that gives it that juice to, to bring the manifestation to reality for us. Yeah, it absolutely brings the juice. It's You're operating at a higher level. You're operating at a higher frequency, and right? And that higher frequency is more energy. And it's all energy, right? So when you're operating from gratitude and joy and love and those types of emotions, you're operating at a much higher level of energy. And it's just, you're just more powerful. And instead of being forceful from the ego, you're powerful from from the spiritual sense. That brings up a great thought about what you're doing now with the Academy Fund and why you're doing it, why you're choosing Service Academy folks. How about you share a little bit about that higher emotion, the higher process, and how that applies to your Academy Fund? Well, sure. And as maybe as an introduction to that, I'll tell the audience about. So we've already established that we were classmates and I'm sure we walked by each other a thousand times in four years, but we didn't know each other at the academy, even though we were classmates. We met, right? We were introduced by a mutual friend at a conference not too long ago, what, a year or two years ago, right? And I had lost my class ring and I had probably been gone for almost a year at the point that we met. And so we were introduced. And speaking of energy, right? You said, gee, oh, I, I was in the service. I was in the service. You were in the Navy. I was in the Marine Corps. Okay. Where'd you go to school? I went to the Naval. Academy. Oh, I went there. What class? 92. Well, I'm 92. Well, 
as you may recall, I walk back to my seat and in the same backpack that I've been carrying for years, and I've searched and turned inside out a dozen times and searched for my class ring, I reached in to get a pen and I pulled out my class ring. Yeah. So if you talk about energy, you were the energy that represented the class of 1992, put me on the wavelength to reach into my backpack that I've searched a dozen times and pulled out my class ring that I thought was lost. Right. So just a little anecdotal story, true story for the audience. No, yeah. It was fun being a part of that. That was and your face and the elation at finding it and being so excited to tell us you'd found it was was purely breathtaking. Oh, thanks. It was so you know, as it relates to the Academy Fund, so many different parts of my experience are now in this fund. It is our fourth pooled real estate vehicle. We're taking a, a different tack as opposed to calling it after my last name, we are calling it the Academy Fund. The reason why I feel so strongly about this fund is that it's not people investing in me necessarily. Yes, we're conducting the due diligence, we're marketing it, we're running the funds. But what I like so much about it is that we are lending money to other military veteran real estate operators. Okay, so an investment in the fund is really an investment in what we hope to be dozens of service academy grads and military veterans who are also real estate operators. It's been my experience that veterans and service academy grads, we're just not really good at capital raising. And so you see these like ultra smart guys and ladies who have businesses that sometimes struggle just because they're starved of capital. And I'm like, wait a second. Hey, I'm pretty good at that. Hey, I might not be the guy that's going to demo a house or build a building, but hey, when it comes to putting a fund together and raising capital, I know how to do that. That's a talent. And so I said, let's build a fund that invests in them. So that's what I'm excited about. And I'm really excited to see the success stories that come from this where Again, military veteran real estate operators, businesses have grown as a result of being able to access capital from the Academy Fund, and we're having a lot of fun doing it. I love to hear that you're having fun doing it, and it sounds like it's a good cause and a good way to reach out to basically hard workers who are trying to get a a chance at, at doing what they're envisioning. And so being a facilitator of that must be rewarding for you just to think about how you're kind of giving back to some things that you benefited from earlier on in your career. Well, I think it makes good economic sense. As I shared with you earlier, you know, we bite the jockey, not the horse on our deals. Yes, of course, we conduct our due diligence on the deal itself, and nobody gets a pass just because they're a grad or they're a veteran. They go through the same due diligence process as we did earlier. But when we did an analysis a couple of years ago, when we looked at like the deals that quite frankly didn't go well, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know like an after action report, like a hot wash up, where did we go wrong? And when I had a couple of interns and some people on my team go back through the diligence files and say, what did we miss? And they came back after putting a lot of hard work in and, they, and, the, and the net of it was we didn't miss anything. I'm like, no, 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 no. We missed something or I missed something. I'm willing to take responsibility. I was a captain of the ship, right? And what did I miss? 
from a diligence perspective, we checked all the boxes. I said, well, then what boxes didn't we check? What boxes should have been there that didn't get checked? And it really just came down to that those deals that didn't go well were leadership failures. And so that's why I bet the jockey, not the horse necessarily. And those leadership failures really came in three buckets. These people lacked For the most part, I like to say intelligence, integrity, and grit. But most of them were smart guys and gals, and so they lacked integrity and grit. And where, from an integrity perspective, if there was a chance of them losing money or the investor losing money, obviously, they threw the investor under the bus. And from a grit perspective, these are people that just didn't want to work that hard, right? And they just expected a lot and didn't give a lot for it. And so... I was like, well, those are tough qualities to screen in advance of an investment. But then it dawned on me, of course, we can screen people based on these criteria. We can invest in veterans. And those are the people, service academy grads, military veterans. These are the people that have intelligence, integrity, and grit, and they have buckets full of it. And so... That's why we pivoted and made a hard right turn and created the Academy Fund, because those are the people I want to lend money to. Those are the people I want to stand up to investors and say, hey, write us a check because it's going to those people. Because when the chips are down, they're going to work harder. They're going to make it happen. They're going to turn something from a bad situation into a positive outcome for investors. And I can't say that of just everybody. And my experience certainly says we can't say that of just everybody. Yeah, obviously, there are other people out there that have intelligence and integrity and grit. But I think one of the qualities that's sort of a spiritual, unconditional love kind of quality talks a little bit to the integrity piece, because once we're more aligned with our soul, we're more trusting, we're more honorable in our actions. And not that all service academies grads have that, but I think what you're highlighting is a little bit of the conditioning that service academy grads have had and other veterans have had where they answer to one boss. That's the whatever the government and the, the military leadership tells them that they should be doing and that you know they follow that. And so there's a sort of a habitual integrity piece that comes with that. So I find it fascinating, one, that you're choosing to go that route and look for that integrity and grit, but at the same time also recognizing that there is a pool out there that one can pull from and and make a little more wise investment in terms of betting on the jockey, betting on that leadership that's going to follow through with those qualities that you know are so important and you've learned yeah. the hard way. And it's not altruistic. I'll tell you, it's more profitable. It yeah. just is. Yeah, so anybody who thinks that believing some pro forma because it's got a high number on it and some ridiculous return, but you question the integrity of the operator or the leader, the founder, the people running the business, I mean, you're going to lose your money. So I found that investing in and with other veterans who have sound business plans, who have solid experience, are just more profitable and consistently more profitable, and there are fewer headaches. So all around, I'm just upset with myself that I didn't learn this lesson 20 years ago. There is a large percentage of the population today that thanks military veterans for their service, 
right? And I think that's their way of saying not only thank you, but expressing sort of an unconditional love, like, hey, you made a sacrifice. It may not be your life because I'm standing in front of me, but a lot of others have. So I'm sort of vicariously thanking them through you. And what's different, of course, today versus, let's say, 40 years ago when veterans would come home from the war and not be appreciated I think what you're attesting to a little bit too is sort of that unconditional love and appreciation for the service that those folks have brought and others bring as well, but that this is one of those segments of the population that take what you bring to them and then make capitalism even more successful because they've got a good backing and then they can go and do their business and make the economy a better place from where they are and do that operational piece and run the race and you've just backed them and you've got them going. And I think that's a great space to be in because it is actually altruistic to be able to invest and bring more good from that investment. Well, that's very nice to say. And I appreciate those very kind words. Veterans put put off for years and sometimes decades their lives in service to others in defense of our way of life, which is capitalism, by the way. And so they've stymied their careers. They've halted it. They've put it off into the future for the benefit of everyone else. And so while I really kind of dislike the word deserve, if there's any group that really deserves a help assimilating into the economy, help accessing capital to grow their business, it is veterans. So if people want to thank them for their service and are really, as you said, thanking those who have made the ultimate sacrifice vicariously through them, then that's great. And so thank you to all those people who do recognize that. But if you really want to thank them, help them get back into the business world, right? Help them continue to be contributing members of this society. And the most patriotic thing somebody can do outside of serving in uniform is to create jobs. So you want to thank someone for their service? Great. Thank you. We accept your thanks, honestly, gratefully. But now help them in business. If they have the type of character that they would be willing to put their life on the line for their country and for you, then they're also somebody worthy of of your investment. And so help them out. And who knows, you might get a a superior return on investment from it and feel good doing it. That sounds wonderful. Great perspective to have. And I I love how that really motivates you and keeps you going. And and this uh, effort you're doing with with the Academy Fund, well, we talked about manifesting with positive emotions. We've talked about intuition. We've talked a little bit about ethics and integrity and grit. What other thoughts or ideas do you have to share with the listeners for us today? I just caught myself, I guess, what I was doing in how I responded to these past few questions versus others was, hey, I was projecting a vision with emotion out there into the universe. And so the next thing I should say is, if I was to look at this from a dissociated perspective, kind of look at myself sitting here talking from a third person, perspective, I would say that what you just witnessed was an example of manifesting, that have a clear vision. I speak it out into the universe with a positive expectation that it has occurred. 
And so I believe that energy is out there. And I think you know, we've dropped the pebble into the pond and those ripples of energy will touch our shore and they'll come into our experience. Great way to summarize and kind of wrap that all together. And I do recognize that energy you're putting out there. Bill, any other final words? Well, I just want to thank you for thinking of me. And I wish you the greatest success with your business. I personally appreciated the time that you've shared with me last year in my coaching to get things moving along in this direction. And here we are about a year later and things are are cooking with gas. We're moving forward and moving forward quickly. So a special thanks to you. I'm very grateful for your coaching. Well, thanks, Bill. Appreciate that. Well, folks, if you need to get a hold of Bill, Bill, how could they reach you? Yeah, sure. Well, feel free to reach out via email. My email address is bill at localvest.com. So B-I-L-L at local, L-O-C-A-L-V-E-S-T.com. And look forward to hearing from everybody. Well, thanks. Have a great rest of your day, Bill. All right. Appreciate it very much. All right. We've been talking about energy in this episode. So I'm guessing you might be a little curious about where you stand with energy. I've created a free short quiz that will give you feedback and explain some quick basics of energy leadership. I have a longer energy assessment I provide my clients, but this little quiz will satisfy your curiosity. Check it out in the show notes. And if you haven't done it already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the next episode. You'll find all this and more information at my website, michaelsype.net. Thanks for listening.